This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm Zach Rizzuto. We're here without Faraz for today's episode. He's off attending to some very important business in Disney World. But, as you know, the show must go on and I intend to do just that. Thanks for tuning in, guys. For today's show, I'm going to be previewing this weekend's two matchups on the championship weekend between the Ravens and the Chiefs and then the Lions and the 49ers. It's been a while since we've been on the podcast, so a lot has gone on these past couple days. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get into a few underdog pickups I like in each of these matchups coming up this weekend. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to cover some general news since our last episode last week. I'm also going to quickly recap this past weekend's performances from the divisional round and just point out some noteworthy developments from those games. Let's just get right into it, guys. It's, it's been a while, so I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back on the podcast, you know, getting another episode out here. It's been a couple days, you know, so it's been some time. Happy to be back. Let's get right into it. The Texans, everyone is rooting for the Texans, but they ran into a buzzsaw against the Ravens and just a blowout loss to Baltimore. It was close at halftime. You know, it was good to see that C.J. Stroud and the Texans were able to stay competitive, but there was that screenshot. I'm sure a lot of you saw it that people shared. It's like we all knew that the Texans were done as soon as we saw Lamar Jackson's face going into the locker room at halftime. He was pissed. They came out. They played like they were pissed. They won 34-10. And as much as everyone was rooting for the Texans, this was the outcome we pretty much all expected, right? The loss, it doesn't take away from what was a, a just historic rookie season for C.J. Stroud. You know, he's still going to be a top fantasy quarterback moving forward, both in redraft and especially in dynasty. But he completed just over half of his passes for 175 scoreless yards. And the Texans offense, they put up just three points on the day. I know the box score shows 10. We all know is that touchdown by Steven Sims on the punt return. Just a tough day at the office for everyone involved. Nico Collins, he caught five passes for 68 yards. Not terrible, serviceable, but not what we were really hoping for from Nico Collins if you're playing DFS. Devin Singletary was bottled up on the ground, but he saved his fantasy managers in PPR formats if they started him in DFS this week with five catches for 48 yards. Not what we wanted to see. But the task, as I mentioned, was very tall to go into Baltimore in the first place and have success on offense. The result this past weekend shouldn't have anyone worried about Houston's offense for 2024. It's going to be a completely new season. And things, I, I think we we're going to feel even better about where they're going to be with a full offseason of work next season than we do right now. And it was a tough matchup. But like I said, who was, who was expecting the Texans to have an offensive explosion against the Ravens and Baltimore? It wasn't going to happen, but still, they showed heart. It was great. 
it was a good game to watch for the first half. Then second half, it got away from it, but it wasn't that bad. On the other side of the ball, it was the Lamar Jackson show. Four total touchdowns, 100 yards rushing, 152 passing on 73% completion percentage. Lamar, he's looked every bit the part of the MVP for 2023 as of late, and it was his second straight game with four or more total touchdowns dating back to Week 17 against the Dolphins because he didn't play in Week 18, and he didn't have to play in the wild card round because of the bye. This is the upside that comes with Lamar Jackson every week, guys. You know, he had that lull in the middle of the regular season, but that's looking more and more like a dry spell than a real trend in the wrong direction at this point. Outside of Lamar, there weren't really any notable fantasy performances besides maybe Isaiah Likely. You know, he caught that touchdown to salvage a day where he ended up with just 34 yards on three targets. But outside of that, it was just a barren wasteland in terms of fantasy performances. You didn't hear much from Zay Flowers. Nelson Aguilar caught the other passing touchdown from Lamar Jackson. It was just the Lamar Jackson show. He was doing everything on the ground and through the air. And that's what we can continue to expect moving into championship weekend. The other game that day on Saturday, we're going back pretty far. It was the 49ers and Packers. They played through some wet conditions for most of the night, but that it put a damper on both teams passing games to say the least. And I mean that pun intended. Neither team had a receiver score over 13 PPR points. It was Jawan Jennings who led the 49ers wide receivers in yardage, the wide receivers. George Kittle had 81 in a touchdown, so he played pretty well. And Debo Samuel went down. He didn't return. He had that shoulder injury. We're not sure if he's going to play this weekend. We'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast. But um, he, he didn't play for most of the game. Brent Nayuk had a quiet day. He didn't do a whole lot in that game. Christian McCaffrey, though, he had his usual huge day. <laughs> There's not much you can really analyze with Christian McCaffrey besides the fact that he's going to get it done. That's just the way things work with Christian McCaffrey. Nothing new in that department. And Aaron Jones, on the other side, he extended his streak of 100-yard games to close the season to five. We put out that post on Instagram. If you follow us on Instagram, you saw he was riding a four-game streak of 100-plus rushing yards over the past four games he's played in, and he added uh, added to that made it five against the 49ers. When he's healthy, he's proven to be one of the most dependable starts at the position. But as we know, he hasn't exactly been the epitome of health this season or in his career. He struggled with injuries a little bit, you know, pretty much throughout his whole career. He'll be back up there. This next season in 2024, he'll be a viable starter, 100%. But there's going to be that lingering thought in the back of your mind. like, is he going to get hurt again? We know that's a possibility. That's going to bring his price down. So as we've seen with Aaron Jones, he's been consistently undervalued relative to what he does when he's healthy and he plays the whole game. But we know that threat is there. So he's going to continue to be underappreciated in the fantasy football community. But he had a fantastic end to the season, even though it didn't end up with the Packers in the Super Bowl. Still, Aaron Jones, big reason why they're able to move the ball on offense, plus Jordan Love having quite a year, but we're moving on. The Lions and the Buccaneers, they had an absolute track meet in Detroit for the divisional round, and this was probably the most entertaining game to watch of the weekend, besides maybe the Chiefs and the Bills. That one was pretty good, but in the fourth quarter of that Chiefs-Bills game, the, the scoring just stopped. Now, both of these games were very good. I mean, big days across the board, for the Lions and the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff, both over 20 fantasy points and two or more touchdowns apiece. Rashad White and Jameer Gibbs, they both found the end zone. Mike Evans and Amon Ross St. Brown both had touchdowns of their own. Mike Evans went over 140 yards receiving. Sam Laporta and Kate Otten. Kate Otten both had 65 yards exactly. Laporta's came on nine catches. Cade's on five, but he also had that touchdown Kate Otten did sprinkled in there. It looks like Baker Mayfield set up to run things back in Tampa Bay, which is a great story. 
But for me, I think it's important to monitor what happens with Mike Evans this offseason before we crown Baker Mayfield as a top 10 fantasy quarterback next season. He has it in him 100% if Mike Evans is back. If both of them are back, we could be looking at two top 12 options at quarterback and wide receiver next year in Tampa Bay. But without Mike Evans, though, I'd be tapping the brakes a little bit, just a little bit on Baker Mayfield because their connection was legit this year. And as much as Baker Mayfield did, to keep Mike Evans' 1,000-yard season streak going alive. Mike Evans also did a lot to help Baker Mayfield revive his career, keep his career revived pretty much, because he was looking pretty good in 2022 with the Rams when he played. He closed that season out. He earned the opportunity in Tampa Bay. But Mike Evans really helped him solidify his place as a starting quarterback in the league this season. He also did a lot for Baker Mayfield. So if Mike Evans is gone, I'm tapping the brakes just a little bit on Baker Mayfield, but we'll see how things shake out, you know, going into the offseason. Also in this game, Jameer Gibbs definitely separated himself from Dave Montgomery in terms of his efficiency on a per-touch basis. He averaged over eight yards per carry and saw one fewer opportunity than Monty, who was supremely quiet. The Bucks' run defense was solid all year, and Monty felt the effects, but Gibbs didn't. You know, Gibbs is a real deal at this point, and he could be in line and take over the backfield's touches in 2024. It's not going to necessarily be 80-20, something like that, but we could start to see it creep into that 60-40, 65-35 range where this whole season it's been roughly 50-50 down the middle. So if we get any movement in that effect, we could see Jameer Gibbs just explode in fantasy football next season. He's going to be well worth the high draft pick that he commands and drafts later on this summer. Then that last game of the weekend, like I mentioned before, the Chiefs knocked off the Bills at home by a score of 27 to 24, which I predicted exactly as the outcome for that game on my divisional round picks post on Instagram. Go and check it out if you haven't already. It's time stamped and everything. I was also four for four this week outright picking the divisional round games. So that brings me to eight and two overall for the playoffs, which I'll take. I'm okay with that. I, I don't think anybody realistically had the Cowboys losing to the Packers. Nobody in their right mind, unless you're a Packers fan had the Cowboys losing to the Packers. That was one of the games that I missed. And the other one was the toss-up between the Browns and the Texans. We weren't sure what was going to happen. I should have been on the C.J. Stroud train, but I wasn't. It's fine. That's just how it goes. But outside of that, I have every other game right on my picks. I'm going to do more picks again for the championship weekend. We'll see how that goes. But as far as this game, Josh Allen was Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes was watered down, as he's been all year. But Travis Kelsey made an appearance. How about that? You know, he caught both of Mahomes' two touchdown passes, but this performance, it doesn't move the needle at all in terms of projecting for next year and long-term. Sam Laporta is still the dynasty tight end one and probably redraft two. The biggest takeaway from this game for me, though, personally, was Khalil Shakir. With Gabe Davis out these past two weeks in the playoffs and most of week 18, you know, Shakir's flashed over the past three weeks. He has 180 yards and two touchdowns in three games. Not necessarily world-breaking stats, but compared to what he's been doing you know, with the Bills, this is consistent production that we're seeing from him. He also led all Bills receivers in targets and receptions against the Chiefs. And with Gabe Davis potentially on the way out via free agency, like he could realistically have a shot to make some noise in 2024. And remember Legereus Sneed? He hadn't allowed a touchdown all year until this past Sunday to Shakir on a beautiful catch going to the ground on a scramble drill touchdown from Josh Allen. If you saw that play, it was just ridiculous. It sucks because if you're if you're Legereus Sneed, to give it up in that fashion, obviously they won the game, but you had that streak of not allowing a receiving touchdown to anybody. It just happens to be Khalil Shakir. He's a name that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this offseason. With the way things are shaking out in Buffalo's wide receiver room, if there's movement, like I mentioned, Gabe Davis, he's going to be a free agent. And then Stefan Diggs, who knows what's going to happen with him. 
he could be a trade candidate. There have been reports coming out saying that he's committed to the team. He's not going to request a trade, but it's it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. There's a chance for Shakir to move up the depth chart pretty significantly if things would go south with Stefan Diggs or Gabe Davis. So keep an eye on him. I'm keeping a close eye on him this offseason. I think regardless, he's going to be in line for some more opportunity next season. That wraps up the recap for last week's games. Now let's look ahead to what you guys are here for this weekend's games. And my first recommendation before we really get into these games is to just really soak it in this weekend. Like this is the last Sunday of the season where there's going to be more than one game to watch in a day until August. So just make sure you get your ass in a chair, in your couch, however you're going to watch, whatever you watch, wherever you watch, sit down, watch the games, enjoy them because you're not going to have more than one game to watch in a single day until August now. So for this week's preview, I'm going to be ranking. I'm doing this a little differently than we've done previews in the past. I'm going to be ranking the top fantasy options by options by position across all four teams for this weekend's games. Top four quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Let's look at quarterbacks first. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's no secret that Lamar Jackson, he's been on a tear, like I mentioned earlier in the show. Nine touchdowns over his past two starts against quality defenses in Miami and Houston. But the Chiefs' defense has been stingy this season, allowing the fifth-fewest passing touchdowns in the NFL. The thing about Lamar Jackson, though, is you don't ever bet against him. That's just not what you do. Lamar Jackson has 100 or more rushing yards in three of his past five playoff games. So I like his rushing prop over 64 and a half rushing yards on underdog, especially if he's going to need to take off running more often than usual because of tight coverage on the back end by the Chiefs. Plus, Josh Allen, remember that guy last week? He ran for 72 yards against him last week in the divisional round. So I'd expect Lamar Jackson to come through in this game big on the ground as well. He should be in lineups with confidence as the overall QB1 for DFS this week with his rushing upside. He's my QB1 on the week. And then it's pretty much a toss-up behind Lamar for QB2, 3, and 4. And as crazy as it sounds, I think I'm leaning Brock Purdy as my number two quarterback this week over Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff. Now, this comes down pretty much to the matchup for each of these guys. Out of Mahomes, Purdy, and Goff, Purdy has the best matchup by far. Detroit is allowing the fifth most fancy points per game, the third most passing yards per game, and the sixth most passing touchdowns per game to quarterbacks in the regular season. And then they followed up that in the playoffs with two straight games allowing 300 yards and two or more touchdowns and back-to-back games against none other than Matthew Stafford and Baker Mayfield. So they've gone five straight games allowing opposing quarterbacks to score two or more touchdowns through the air. So you can go ahead and pencil in Brock Purdy for a big game. And it's nothing against Jared Goff or Patrick Mahomes. You know, both of them have tough matchups this week against the Ravens and 49ers defenses, who, by the way, were the only two defenses in the regular season to have more interceptions as a team than touchdowns allowed. So that tells you what you need to know about their passing defense. I look at the way Patrick Mahomes has produced since their bye, and I'm not too impressed. That isn't to say I'm not impressed with the way he's playing in general. Like, if you, you watch the games, we know he's clutch. You know, that's just the way he is. The Chiefs got to the playoffs. Everyone was wondering, are the Chiefs going to turn into the Chiefs now that they're in the playoffs? The answer is yes, they're doing that. The stats haven't been as flashy as we've been used to them being, but the wins are coming, and that's exactly what we expected from Patrick Mahomes. 
So I've been impressed with him. His production, I haven't been too impressed. In terms of fantasy football, Patrick Mahomes is 17 points per game since they came off their bye in week 11. That's lower than every other quarterback remaining in the playoff field in that same time frame. So he now he's playing against the top defense in the NFL in Baltimore, who have put the clamps on C.J. Stroud and the Dolphins passing attack in back-to-back games. It sounds crazy, but I'm leaning towards having Mahomes as my QB4 this week at the bottom of the barrel underneath the other guys. And I have, like I mentioned, Brock Purdy at two. Jared Goff, by default, slides in at three because his upside hasn't been fantastic, but he's been able to be very efficient. The matchup isn't pristine against the 49ers, but I'm expecting a competitive game there, and that should keep Jared Goff in the conversation. And I have him over Patrick Mahomes, who's been watered down, like I mentioned, and he's playing a very tough defense this week. So that's how I have my quarterback shaken out. Lamar, Brock, Jared Goff, and Patrick Mahomes. Moving on to running backs. Here's the most obvious ranking of any this week. Christian McCaffrey is number one. <laughs> and I don't have to tell you that. I'm, uh, I'm just rolling through the rankings. You probably know this already. The Lions defense, they've been great against the run, by the way. You know, So there is something to be said there. They took care of business against Kyron Williams in the wild card round. They kept Rashad White relatively in check last weekend. But to be blunt, I don't care. And neither should you. McCaffrey, he's matchup proof, and he's easily the RB1 any week where he's healthy. By the way, they keep setting McCaffrey's line on underdog under 100 yards for some reason. Right now, it's sitting at 87 and a half, a total that he's fallen short of just twice in nine games since the Niners came back from their bye in week 10. If there's any player you want to bet on to overcome the odds, even against the Stout Lions defense, it's CMC. I'm taking the over on that rushing prop because there's a better chance that Christian McCaffrey has an elite game than there is having any other type of game especially falling short of that rushing prop. If the game's going to lean in any direction, I feel like it's going to be the 49ers way. It's going to be in their favor, which could be you know, a positive game script. He could rack up some rushing yards before they get out of there, before they get him out of there. I'm not saying that's the way it's going to be. I do expect it to be competitive, but I don't really see a scenario where the Lions take over Levi Stadium and they can put their starters on the bench by the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be competitive or in the 49ers' favor, which bodes well for Christian McCaffrey's rushing totals. That leaves us with RB2, RB3, and RB4 to name. And I think we're going to see one AFC running back appear on this list, and that's it. And that's Isaiah Pacheco. He's my RB3. His per-game averages since coming off the bye tell pretty much the whole story about what he's been as a fantasy running back this season, and that's very dependable and, by the way, predictable. If 85 yards and a touchdown is what you guess you're going to get from him on a weekly basis, then you'd be right. That's exactly what he's averaging over his past seven games. Again, tough matchup against the Ravens, and his upside in the receiving game doesn't compare to Jameer Gibbs, who I have it too, so that relegates him to the number three spot among running backs for the championship round. But even as one of the top defenses in the league, the Ravens, they're middle of the pack in terms of rushing yards allowed. They've allowed the 14th most rushing yards in the NFL this season, and I know, 14th most, Zach, what are you talking about? Like That's just cherry-picking a stat. When you look at the totality of the Ravens' defense, you wouldn't expect them to be allowing that many rushing yards, but they can be run on. And we talked about that last week going into the matchup against the Texans. We called that Devin Singletary might be able to have a solid game. That obviously didn't come to fruition, but it remains to be seen whether it was just a tough day for the Texans' offense overall or if an offense can come in here like with a running back like Isaiah Pacheco, if they can come in and actually get something done on the ground. So, I'm going to kind of lean in that one a little bit. The fancy points might not be there for Isaiah Pacheco, but he's no stranger to empty calories in the run game. You know, in this matchup, I think it's possible. His line on underdog is set at just 63 and a half rushing yards. I'm going to be taking the over on that this weekend. Not saying you have to, but based on the way things we've seen things shake out, 
I think Pacheco, he's become a bigger part of the offense than a lot of people imagine he might have, um, especially with the Chiefs passing attack the way it is right now. I, I think that he can get to that 63 and a half pretty easily. Ahead of him, like I mentioned and alluded to before, is Jameer Gibbs at the number two spot. And that's because his upside is just better than Pacheco's, thanks to his work in the receiving game. And by the way, the 49ers, they're also quietly allowing the fifth most receptions and the seventh most receiving yards to running backs this season. So there is a route for Gibbs to be involved in the receiving game, as he's been so far in the playoffs. And for the number four running back on the week in my rankings, it was a toss-up between Gus Edwards and Dave Montgomery. But I'm rolling with Montgomery. Before last weekend, where Craig Reynolds mysteriously snuck into the lineup to take that goal line touchdown on fourth down, which pretty much should have been Monty's, you know, he had gone 10 straight games with 10 or more PPR points and had scored a touchdown in eight of those 10 games. So I think there's a better chance that last week's scoreless 33 yards on 10 carries for Monty was a fluke than there is a chance that Gus Edwards or any other running back on the Ravens, for that matter, goes back on a scoring tear especially with snaps split right up the middle between him and Justice Hill this season. We saw Dalvin Cook get snaps last week. And obviously the game was out of hand at that point, but it just goes to show that the Ravens aren't going to be force-feeding any running back. Like they're going to be force-feeding both Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in Detroit. Both of those running backs, you know, are worthy of top four consideration over any of the other Ravens running backs, especially with the way the usage has fallen out. I know I said, and we're going to move on to wide receivers here. I know I said, that the easiest ranking of the week was Christian McCaffrey at number one for running backs, but I'm on Ross St. Brown at number one among wide receivers on championship weekend. Feels pretty damn easy too. You know, he's found the end zone in five of his last six games, cracked hundred receiving yards in four of those games. He had 90 yards against Dallas and 77 last weekend against the Buccaneers. So, you know, 90 yards doesn't, it was, it didn't feel like a bad performance, but it doesn't make that hundred yard threshold. But he has hundred yards receiving in four of the last six games. His line on under underdog right now, it's sitting at 84 and a half receiving yards for this weekend. I'll happily take the over on that one with St. Brown meeting that threshold in five of his last six games. If you count the 84 and a half, you know, the 90 yards they had against Dallas would meet that. Plus, you have to imagine that if this game's going to flip one way, like I mentioned, it's going to be in the 49ers favor with the game being played in San Francisco. But a competitive game, regardless, is going to keep Amon Ross St. Brown on schedule to hit that threshold. I like Amon Ross St. Brown this weekend. He's going to be very busy. As long as he stays healthy, he shouldn't have any trouble hitting that 84 and a half. Behind Amon Ross St. Brown, things get a, a little bit messy. I think by default, especially if Debo Samuel's going to be out, I would have Brandon Ayuk at number two. Now, he's been quiet these past two weeks, but like I mentioned before, the Lions secondary, it's just been a get-right spot for receivers all year and quarterbacks. The passing game has thrived against Detroit. And in the playoffs, the Lions, they allowed Puka Nakua in the wild card round to go for 181 yards and a touchdown. And then Mike Evans last weekend to go for 147 yards and a touchdown. If Ayuk is the top dog, like you can't not expect him to get his this week. You know, he's going to be doing his thing, especially if Debo Samuel's out. The Lions have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to wide receivers this season, plus the third most yards, third most touchdowns, and the seventh most receptions. If Debo would play, I think he would overtake Ayuk as the wide receiver two and move Ayuk down to the wide receiver three. But both of these guys would be in line for solid days, assuming the 49ers don't lay an egg at home against Detroit, which should not be in the cards. That's not what I'm expecting at all. And then the wide receiver four spot, that belongs to Rashi Rice. He had his first truly quiet day this past weekend against the Bills since he broke out onto the fantasy scene as a wide receiver one on Thanksgiving. But even with that game, his usage has been elite in the back half of the season and into the playoffs. Since Thanksgiving, 27% target share, 19 PPR points per game. That's legit. These are the Ravens we're talking about. 
that he's matching up against on defense. So obviously that's less than ideal. But I think the fact that he's a rookie going up against a really tough defense is kind of negated by the magic of Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. I think if anyone's going to help him overcome that struggle, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I have Rice lower than the other guys by virtue of their respective matchups. Like I mentioned, Rice going against the Ravens versus the 49ers receivers going against a very squishy Lions defense. But fancy managers shouldn't let one down week scare them into thinking this will become a trend where Rashi Rice isn't involved in the offense, where Rashi Rice has these low outputs. First low output in just, just I think it's just under two months. It might be just over two months. Thanksgiving, yeah, two months, re- relatively. First low output in two months' time from Rashi Rice. Shouldn't have you panicked. Uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially with Patrick Mahomes playing the way he is you know, in the playoffs. Obviously not blowing up the stat sheet, but he's getting the ball where it needs to go. So I'm trusting Rashi Rice this weekend. Do you want to hear something else crazy? Something really crazy? Tight end? It's easily the most stacked position in fantasy football this championship weekend. Laporta, Kelsey, Kittle, potentially Mark Andrews, and Isaiah Likely is very solid even if Mark Andrews doesn't go. So these are guys that were sitting at the top of the tight end rankings all season, and now we're doing one final ranking of them before the Super Bowl. They've all made the championship weekend. Maybe that start tight end is what you need to get to the playoffs and make it deep into the playoffs. Who knows? But for me, just like we've been touting him all season, I have Sam Laporta as the tight end one on the week, and that's because he's been the most consistent over the course of the season, and he has the highest scoring upside of any of the names I rattled off a few seconds ago. I'd love to put Mark Andrews at the number one spot. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know how comfortable I'd be or how realistic the expectations would be to say that Mark Andrews, he's going to come right back after being out for two months and just pace a position and points scored. I don't really think that's going to happen. But assuming Mark Andrews plays, which it looks like he's going to based on reports that have come out so far this week, I have him as my tight end too, ahead of Travis Kelsey, and at, at who's at tight end four, and ahead of George Kittle, who's at tight end three. The Ravens offense, it's been missing a true focal point in the receiving game since Andrews went down. And with him back, I'd expect Lamar Lamar Jackson to just pepper him early and often with targets. Like That's why I like Andrews' line on underdog at just 35 and a half receiving yards right now. You can go take a look at that. He took the extra week off last week, didn't rush himself back against the Texans, and that's going to pay dividends for his availability this week. Not only will he be on the field, but he'll be closer to 100% than he was last week. So 35 yards feels like an absolute, absolute gimme as long as he suits up. And I know that Travis Kelsey... People might come at me. I know I haven't tied him tight him four. I know he's had two solid performances in the playoffs, but the Ravens defense is allowing the second fewest touchdowns to tight ends this year. And Kittle, he actually has the only favorable statistical matchup of any tight end this week. You know, so I think I'm going to give Kittle the edge here. The Lions are allowing the fourth most touchdowns and the seventh most receiving yards to tight ends this year. That gives him the edge over Kelsey as a tight end three for me. I want to trust Kelsey. I really do. But at this point, the matchup against the Ravens just has me a little hesitant to rank him any higher than any of the other tight ends this weekend who have been getting it done regardless of matchup. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thanks for taking the time to make us part of your day. Like I said before, enjoy the games this weekend, and let's all cross our fingers for Ravens-Lions Super Bowl. Sorry, 49ers and Chiefs fans, but Ravens-Lions would just be fantastic. And one more thing. If you're enjoying the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate every single one of you guys who listen, and we want to make the show even better for you guys. And subscribing to the podcast, that helps us out a ton in getting better every day and meeting that goal. So thanks for again for listening, guys. We really appreciate all of you, and happy AFC-NFC Championship weekend. We'll see you next week. Peace.